Texas is experiencing an unparalleled growth in medical licensure applications from physicians seeking to practice in its state. Many believe that is just one of the many positive consequences resulting from the tort reform enacted in 2003. Did the legislature fix the medical liability crisis in Texas? And will other states begin to model their reform after the legislation in Texas? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host. Joining me today, Dr. Donald Patrick, a physician and attorney and former executive director of the Texas Medical Board, here to discuss the medical liability crisis that existed in Texas during his tenure and the principles underlying the tort reform legislation that was enacted by Texas in 2003. Dr. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get into the reform, I was wondering if you could kind of highlight some of the things that were going on in the late 90s or even mid-90s. The malpractice climate had become oppressive. There was increasing numbers of cases filed over the space of years, and it had become oppressive to physicians who practiced and created a climate of defensive medicine that I I think ended up with doctors paying too much attention to protecting their backside rather than practicing as good a medicine as they might. I had read that by the year 2000, one out of every three docs could be expected to be sued in a given year, and that was way higher than the national average. It was a growth industry for the defense and plaintiff's attorneys in Texas. And then what kind of awards were given for pain and suffering in the 90s? Millions. So what happened? I mean, I would expect that doctors left. They fled. Definitely doctors moved to other states. Our applications to be a physician in Texas stabilized in the 2000 to 2300 rate every year for years. And during that time, what kind of premiums were the doctors paying in Texas? I paid 50000 I'm a neurosurgeon. Wow. I mean, was OB-GYNs specially targeted? Yes, they were. Because... The clock didn't start running for the statute of limitations until a child who was born at X date had 18 years until they could file a malpractice action against that physician. Did some of the doctors start practicing naked and just go without insurance? I heard of that, but I personally didn't know anybody in particular who did. Well, it sounds like nobody would have wanted to practice medicine in Texas. So what happened in 2003? What were the key principles that underlied the tort reform? The key principles did have to do with trying to figure out a way in which doctors were not subjected to such an aggressive attack by the legal profession by limiting the award. Can you give me an example of what happened with caps on non-economic damages? The caps on non-economic damages were first dropped by statute to 250000 and then enacted by Proposition 12 that the legislature was given the freedom to set that particular cap, and the legislature had set 250000 so it's where it stayed, and stays to that level today. Can you tell me what happened to the emergency room care providers? The emergency room care providers were all running scared, and it was hard to find guys who would 
do that kind of work. So the high-dollar liability professions such as neurosurgery, orthopedic spine surgery, OB, and ER, amongst others, were seeing a high rate of claims filed against them. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm talking with Dr. Donald Patrick about tort reform law enacted in Texas, which has successfully repaired the medical liability crisis that was affecting that state. Dr. Patrick, given that you were the former executive director of the Texas Medical Board, can you tell us of the efforts that were really implemented to get this piece of legislation passed? First of all, I'd just say I'm former by about a month. So okay. Secondly, when I first took the job, I was visited by a member of the medical community whom I knew in Austin, and he said that the medical community did not have respect for the Texas Medical Board for doing their job as they were supposed to do. Even amongst the medical profession, it was thought that they were very doctor-friendly, and that had permeated throughout the state so that any effort by tort reform at the 2003 session would be met by a huge onslaught of pushback by the legal profession saying that were medical malpractice to go away, there would be no regulation. Right. I imagine the Texas Bar Association was not very happy with you. They would not have thought that we would be a viable alternative. But they liked it that way because it gave them a heck of a leg up when they went in front of the legislature to explain why medical malpractice was necessary to protect the public. So what has happened as a result of the tort reform that actually does help protect the public in terms of consumer protection? Well, the medical board immediately got to work, not for that reason, but because of a series of articles by the Dallas Morning News saying we weren't doing our job right. Within two years, we had tripled the number of public orders against uh, physicians in the state of Texas to the mid-300s, whereas uh, when I first took over, it was less than 100 cases. And they didn't do standard of care cases. We completely rewrote our statute along with the actions that took place in 2003 legislature so that standard of care cases could be prosecuted against doctors of Texas who were not doing their job right. Up to that point, if you were a physician who was larcenous, if you were incompetent, you could have dozens of malpractice cases and still practice unimpeded because malpractice does nothing to keep an incompetent physician who's practicing inappropriately out of work. He continues to work, and we saw case after case after case of those sorts of individuals. So how did you correct that? By taking them out of practice, which is what the Texas Medical Board is supposed to do. Did they go to another state, or are they just not practicing at all? If you are taken out of practice, if your license is suspended or revoked in Texas, you can't practice in another state. How many cases of those were there? Dozens. Wow. So as a result of the tort reform, what's happened in your field, neurosurgery? The malpractice premium has dropped dramatically, and frankly, I don't know what it is since I'm not practicing right now, but it dropped dramatically. So was there a, a reverse exodus back into Texas now? In 2004, 
we had 2,900 applicants, whereas before the most we'd ever had was 2,300. The next year we had 2,900. The next year we had 4,000. The next year we had 4,000. And this last year we had over 4,000. How are you keeping up with all those applications? Well, we didn't at first. At our legislative session in 2007, we had to have six more employees hired to do that sort of work and infusion of money into the licensure side of the agency. And this last year licensed about 3,600 of the 4,000-plus applicants, whereas the previous years we hadn't been able to get into the 3,000. Some of them just had to give up and go to other states. Can you see any downside to the tort reform legislation that was passed in Texas? Other than a lot of defense and plaintiff firms are going out of business, that could be considered a downside from the public citizen lobbyist group. I don't think our audience will feel too bad. (laughs) But I think medicine is being practiced even better because... We're not seeing all of this defensive sort of work being done. I think they can do it more cheaply, not having to run MRI after CT scan, after expensive tests on somebody just to protect their hind end. And so what I'm hearing and understanding is that doctors are feeling as if they can practice regular medicine instead of defensive medicine. Mm -hmm. They feel good about that. Dr. Patrick, you spoke about the medical boards getting more active and getting rid of some of the frequent flyers or the worst offenders in committing malpractice in your state, do you think that that is more important than tort reform and that other states should adopt what your medical board did? Absolutely. And at the Federation of State Medical Boards, it meets yearly. This subject has come up over and over, and we've been approached by many medical boards about how did we do it, how do we go about doing it. And it's a very simple process. What we did is we had a instituted a panel of doctors in the same specialty who are boarded in the same specialty as a physician who's in question, review the case, and if two doctors say that he's violated the standard of care, then we take it to the board, and the board gives them an order. If there are a whole bunch of cases that appear egregious, then the board may and frequently did decide to suspend the individual to give them remediation training or just take them to the sidelines, period. One of the last few questions is really, are you aware of any other states that are trying to pass similar legislation that Texas did, showing that it actually worked? I know North Carolina is interested. There are other states who have approached me right now, forgotten exactly which ones they work with. There's so many of them about the medical board putting their house in order But unless the medical board, the doctors who serve on the medical board, unless they're willing to give orders to their fellow doctors, take fellow doctors out of practice, then it won't happen. Doctors have to be willing to give serious sanctions to other doctors who are not practicing properly. In Texas, we've defeated that issue by the medical board getting a wake-up call from the Dallas Morning News is what happened, and they stepped up, and they've stepped up ever since. That was 2002. You know, it's 2008, six years later, and the board is still doing the same sort of thing. So to me, it really sounds like an activist medical board is more important than tort reform. An activist medical board has to be in place before tort reform can take effect. 
And in order for that to happen, the medical board has to actually uh, be willing to stand up to fellow physicians. Absolutely. And that is not easy to do, it sounds like. It is not. Well, Dr. Donald Patrick, thank you very much for talking with me today. You're sure welcome, and I enjoyed it. My guest was Dr. Donald Patrick, former executive director of the Texas Medical Board, and we were discussing the impact of tort reform legislation enacted by the state of Texas in 2003. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. If you'd like to comment on any of our shows, please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. You can also reach us now by phone with comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.